The last few Mishnahis have been discussing the various conditions and parts of the Kasuba, and how if somebody does not include it in his Kasuba, it would still be an obligation. Because the obligations of the Kasuba are not dependent upon the agreement between the husband and wife at the time of marriage. Rather, it's an obligation with Jabonon. So even if this person happened not to write it inside of the Kasuba, it is still an obligation. Now, one of the conditions is the following. You, my wife, shall live in my house and be fed and supported from my possessions. That which I leave behind will go towards supporting you. For as long as you are a widow in my house. So once the man dies, the woman is still allowed to continue living in his house and the inheritors can't chuck her out and tell her to go back to her father's house. So the Mishnah says if a particular person did not write this condition in the Kasuba, he is nevertheless chayav obligated because it is a condition and a decree of the Beistin. Now she is only able to continue living in her husband's house and benefiting from his possessions just like she did whilst he was alive. She can only do that for as long as she has not received her Kasuba. But as soon as she decides to take her Ksuba money, that in effect takes her away and she loses her right to continue benefiting from her husband's possessions. Because really this whole idea of her benefiting from his possessions is that she has a hold on anything he owns until she receives her Kasuba. But as soon as she receives her Kasuba, the inheritors of the father, his sons, are able to force her to leave the house and return to her father's house. However, it's up to her. She can decide when to receive her Kasuba. And the wording of this condition in the Kasuba, how we read it, that is how the residents of Yerushalayim would write in the Kasuba. And those who lived in the Golil would write the same, just like the people who lived in Yerushalayim. However, the residents who lived in Yehuda would write that she can live in the house until the inheritors of the father want to give you your kasuba. If the inheritors wanted to, then they can choose to give her the kasuba immediately and cause her to leave. They can force her to take her kasuba already from the beginning, at which point she will have no hold on her previous husband's possessions and inheritance, and she would not be able to continue living there. Even though the Chachomim said, Basula a Basula, a woman who has never had relations before, collects 200 Zuz for her Kasuba money, the Almona and a widow, or any woman who has had relations before, Mone, her Kasuba is 100 Zuz. If somebody wanted to add on to the Kasuba, even 100 Mone, a Mone is 100 Zuz. So 100 Mone is 10,000 Zuz, which is a huge amount of money. Yosef, he's allowed to add that onto the kasuba, that's known as the Tosefes kasuba, the additional money which is added onto the kasuba, and if somebody, if a man decides to add this onto the kasuba and to obligate himself and his property to giving this to the woman upon being divorced or widowed, he may do so. The Gemara explains that I might have thought that it's forbidden to do so, because this would embarrass poor people who are not able to add on to the 200 Zuz. 200 Zuz is already a lot for them. So I may have thought that since it would embarrass those who are less wealthy and not able to do this, so it will be forbidden to add on to the Kasuba. So the Mishnah says that that is not a concern, and if somebody wishes to add on to the Kasuba, he may. Now essentially, the Tosefes Kasuba becomes part of the main Kasuba, and for pretty much most laws, there's no difference between the main Kasuba and the Tosefes Kasuba. It literally just becomes one larger Kasuba. 
Instead of a kasuba of 200 zuz, you've now got a kasuba of 10,000 zuz. However, according to Rabbi Elizabeth Azario, we're about to see, there is one difference between the Tosefa's kasuba and the main amount of the kasuba, which is 200 or 100 zuz. Once the woman is widowed or divorced from that man, whether she is widowed or divorced only from Eresin, then they never actually completed the marriage to the stage of Nisuin or whether she was widowed and divorced after they were fully married, she would collect everything, the entire amount of the kasuba and the Tosefes kasuba. Now, it should be noted that there's a wide discussion as to whether the obligation of kasuba even applies from the Eresin period. According to a large number of Rishonim, the whole obligation only begins from the Nisuin. Often it was only written at the time of the Nisuin. So those who hold like that would explain that this particular husband anyway, nevertheless, obligated himself to the Kasuba earlier on. However, there are other Rishonim who do hold that the obligation begins from the time of the Kedushin, in which case there will be no problem here. Certainly she would receive the Kasuba even if she is widowed or divorced from the Eresin. Now, Rebelozman Azario says, when Hanisuin, if she is widowed or divorced after being fully married, then Govosakol, she would receive the entire Kasuba and she would collect even the Tosefes Kasuba. However, Minot Eresin, if she is widowed or divorced only after receiving Kedushin, so this man added a very large amount to the kasuba, and then they didn't even end up getting married. In such a case, says Rebbe Lozman Azario, Basula give him a sign, Valmona Mone. A basula would only receive, she would only collect 200 zuz, and a widow would only collect 100 zuz. Because he only wrote to her and obligated himself about the Tosefes kasuba, the additional amount of the kasuba, on the condition that he would marry her fully. That was the entire understanding. Somebody who adds on to the kasuba money, that's for the woman who will be his full wife and who will live with. If he just acquired her and she had the status of his arusa, but they never actually started living together as husband and wife, so certainly he did not intend for her to get a massive kasuba just from that. And therefore it is understood that this is the condition of the Tosefes kasuba, that it only applies after she is fully married. Now the general assumption is that the obligation of kasuba is mijabonon. However, we're about to see that according to one opinion, in the Mishnah, the kasuba, the obligation is with the Araisa. Now, the first half of this Mishnah discussed the Tosefes kasuba, when one adds on to the kasuba. The second half of the Mishnah discusses when one takes away and makes it a smaller amount than 200 to 100 zuz, and whether that is possible. So Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says in Rotsa, if the husband wants to, and of course the wife agrees, then Kaisiv Levisilo Shtashim Asayim, he is able to write for a basula a document saying that he obligates himself to a kasuba of 200 zuz, and then Vahikoseves, she would write another document saying his mone. I have received from you, or it's as if I've received from you, 100 zuz. So you'll only have to give me another 100 zuz when you divorce me or die. She foregoes on the right to part of the kasuba. So we say it's as if she received it, and that is permitted. He could write a kasuba of 100 zuz if he is marrying a widow, and then she would write his zuz. I have received from you 50 zuz, I've received part of the kasuba. So if he dies or divorces her, she would only receive another 50 zuz. There is a slight implication in the Mishnah that she wouldn't be able to forego on the entire kasuba, only part of it. 
Whether that is certainly the intention of the Mishnah is debatable, but be it as it may, we see that even according to Rabbi Yehuda, that one is able to ultimately obligate himself to a lower kasuba. One can't just write a kasuba of less than 200 zuz or less than 100 zuz. The only way to do it is to write a full kasuba, because that is an obligation, midirabonon. And then she can write a sort of receipt for him that she's received half, so he'll only be obligated to pay her the remaining amount upon divorcing her or if he dies. However, Rabbi Meir says, Anyone who obligates himself to less than 200 zuz for a basula and less than 100 zuz for an almona, the relations he has with that woman are considered to be illegal and they are forbidden to live together. According to Rabbi Meir, the obligation of Kasuba is Midir Ayraisa, and to do this would be considered to be Masna al Mashakosuv Batayra. Masna al Mashakosuv Batayra means where one makes a condition which goes against something Midir Ayraisa. So here, Midir Ayraisa, one is obligated to give a Basula or an Almona a certain amount of money, and they're writing documents which ultimately means that they are making stipulations which go against the law Midir Ayraisa. So such a condition is invalid, and he would indeed be obligated to give her 200 or 100 zuz, depending on whether she is a basula or an almana. Mishnah Beis, in the times of the Mishnah, there was often a very long period between the Kiddushin and the Nisuin. And often when he performed Kiddushin on the woman, they wouldn't necessarily plan when exactly the date of the Nisuin, the full marriage, would be, when they would have the Chuppah. And so the Mishnah says that we give a basula who has never been married before 12 months from when the husband asks her if they can get married already. So once they're already past the stage of Kedushin, as soon as the husband asks the wife, or the half-wife at this stage, can we get married? Can you prepare for the wedding? So he's got to give her 12 months in order to find his atzma to support herself and to prepare all of the necessary preparations for the wedding. And just like we give this amount to the woman, 12 months, so too we will give that same amount to the man. The Francis Atzmoy to support himself and to do the preparations which he needs to do for the wedding, which probably will be less focused on the clothes and the jewelry, but more on the wedding feast, etc. Continues the Mishnah, Almona, for a widow who has been married before. So she's already got most of what she needs, so she doesn't need so long to prepare for the wedding. And therefore, the husband only needs to give her 30 days to prepare. So as soon as he asks her, can we get married now? He can fix the date as 30 days later. So the Mishnah implies that it all depends on the woman. The same amount of time which we would give to the woman, we would give to the man, regardless of whether the man had been married before or not. The Mishnah said that somebody who performed Kiddushin on a basula, she would receive 12 months, and just like she would get that amount of time, so too her husband, if she were to ask, can we get married now? So that implies that even if the husband had been married before, if she is a basula, then he would also be allowed to have 12 months if she requests that they get married. So that's with regards to setting the date for the Nisuin. Now what happens if Higiyazaman Vlenisu, it reached the date which they had set for the wedding, and they didn't get married, and we're talking about a case where it was the husband's fault that the Nisuin did not take place on the day that it was meant to take place, says the Mishnah, the woman would eat from him, meaning he is now obligated to support her, since they were supposed to get married from that date, and from the stage of Nisuin, he is obligated to support her, so if they were supposed to get married on that day and he delayed it, he hasn't got the right to delay that obligation in supporting her. 
and therefore he's already obligated to support her. And since he's obligated to support her and provide for her food, she may eat truma even if she is a Bas Yisrael, who until now is forbidden to eat truma, which can only be eaten by Koyanim. And he's a Koyen, so as soon as she is married to him, she may eat truma. So when does that begin? When he starts supporting her. From that stage, she may eat truma. Now, mid she's permitted to eat truma already from the stage of the Kedushin. But Midrabono were concerned that if she were to do so, since she's still living with her family, she might end up taking truma and feeding it to her family as well. But her family are Zorim. A Zor is a non-Koyen who is forbidden to eat truma. So we're concerned that her family will come to eat it since she's still living with them. However, as soon as he is the one who's obligated to support her, even though they're not married yet, so she's still living with her family, he's going to make sure he doesn't want to support his her family as well. He wants to give the minimum amount which he needs to give to support her, to provide for her food. So he's going to make sure that he only gives her enough that she will eat and there won't be any left over for her to give to her family. And because of that, there is no longer a concern that she'll feed the truma to her family and therefore she's already permitted to eat truma. Now, one of the laws regarding eating truma is that even when a coin eats it, he's forbidden to eat it when he is Tomei. In fact, truma which becomes Tomei, if the food itself becomes Tomei, it needs to be burnt. The following machlekes concerns a case where a bas koyen marries a koyen. So until now, she's already been permitted to eat truma, and she's marrying somebody so she'll continue being able to eat truma. Now, the halacha is that a woman who's married to a koyen, so she may eat truma, when the woman becomes Tomei as a Nidor, a Nidor is a woman who becomes Tomei periodically, and when she is Tomei, she is forbidden to eat Truma. So during the days where she is Tomei as a Nidor, the husband is obligated to give her Chulin food. Chulin is the opposite of Truma. Chulin is regular food which anybody can eat. So since she can't eat Truma while she is Tomei, he must give her Chulin. He cannot give her truma and then expect her to sell it for other chulin food, since it's inappropriate for a woman to go out into the marketplace and sell things. The question is, what about this stage? Now she's still living with her family, and Abu Tarifun Umar Abu Tarifun says, The husband is able to give her only truma and not provide her with chulin for the days that she is tome and not able to eat truma, because it says Abu Tarifun, she can get her father or her brother to sell it in the marketplace for other food. We're talking specifically about a Baskoyen, who until now anyway was able to eat truma. So she's used to this process of having to sell the food, or at least not to eat truma whilst she is Tomei. So she knows what to do, and she can get her brother or her father to sell the food for Chulin, or she can exchange it with them for Chulin. However, Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva says, Mechza Chulin, Mechza Truma. He has to give her half Chulin, half Truma, since that is what he needs to do once she is married fully. So his obligation to support her now is no different. And now as well, he needs to provide her with Chulin for the days that she is Tomei and not able to eat Truma. Mr. Gimbal, there is something known as Yibum. Yibum refers to a situation where somebody dies without having had children, and there is a mitzvah upon that dead man's brother to marry the dead man's wife, the widow, and that is known as Yibum. Now, even before the brother has performed Yibum with the wife, with the widow, there's already automatically, because of the mitzvah, to marry her, there's automatically a zika between the dead man's brother and the dead man's wife. And a zika is a form of a marital connection, and we view it as sort of a weak marriage, even before they've got married. Despite that, the yovam who is the dead man's brother, 
cannot feed her Truma. Meaning if she is a Bas Yisrael and he is a Koyain, even though they have got a Zika, a weak marital bond, so I might have thought that just like the wife of a Koyain can eat Truma, she can also eat Truma. The Mishnah says that is not the case, since the Torah specifies that a woman who is Kinyan Kaspoi of a Koyain, a woman who the Koyain acquired with money, meaning he performed Kiddushin on her, she can eat Truma, but the Yavam, he never performed Kiddushin, this Zika came upon them automatically without him doing anything, and therefore she cannot yet eat Truma, until he actually performs Yibum. Now the obligation of Yibum applies also after Kiddushin. If a man performed Kiddushin on a woman, and then died before the Nisuin, there is still an obligation of Yibum. So what happens if a man did Kiddushin on a woman, and then he said, let's get married, so she's a Basula, so she's got 12 months. And also, she went through six months while being an Arusa of the husband, and then he died, so the remaining six months, she has a Zika to the Yovam. She's got six months in front of the Yovam. Or even if the entire 12-month period was where she was an Arusa of the husband, except for the last day, there was one day where B'fnei Yovam. She now has a connection to the Yovam because the husband died on the last day of the 12 months. All of the 12 months were with the Yovam, except for one day with the husband, meaning the husband died the day after performing Kedushin. And in fact, even if there was a full 12 months with the husband, and let's say the husband even began supporting her, even in that case, and then he died, she is forbidden to eat Truma, since she is not the wife of the Yovam as a result of Kedushin. She has a weak marriage with him, but not as a result of Kedushin, and therefore she cannot eat Truma. The mission now tells us that everything we've said in the last couple of Mishnayas, that as soon as the man becomes obligated to support her, we remove the prohibition with Jabonon of her eating Truma, that is Zomishnari Shaina. That was the original Mishnah, the original law which the based in would rule. But based in Shalacharein Omru, a later based in said that Eino Isha Yecheles Batruma Ajit Konis Lachopa. A woman who is a Bas Yisrael, who is getting married to a Koyen, may never eat Truma until she enters into the Chuppah and actually completes the Nisuin. Because as well as the concern that we have discussed until now, that she will feed the Truma to her family, there's another concern. When they get married and have relations together, the husband might discover something about the woman, which is a vital piece of information that had he known about it at the time of the Kedushin, he would not have performed Kedushin with her. And that would mean that the entire Kedushin was invalid, it was a Mekach Tous, an acquisition based on misinformation, which is not valid, so it would emerge that she was never actually an Arusa of a Koyain. So all this time she was forbidden to eat Truma. That's another reason why Mijabonon and Arusa is forbidden to eat Truma. And that reason applies even once he starts supporting her and providing her food. And because of that, this later based in decreed that a woman, even once that 12-month period is over, she may still not eat Truma until she is fully married to the Koyain.